Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. When her birth mother handed my infant daughter to me, she explained that the red thread she had tied into her pierced ears was meant to keep away the evil eye. Jamie, she explained, had a very strong glance. This is the literal translation from the Spanish. She needed the protection of the red thread. As I clipped the red thread and replaced it with tiny gold studs, (laughs) I thought, any evil eye is going to have to contend with me. Good trumps evil. And reasoning that if there were an evil eye, there must also be a good eye, I decided that I would be the good eye. And then I read about the good eye and realized I hadn't gotten it quite right. The great Jewish mystic, the rabbi of Berdachev, was renowned throughout 19th century Europe as master of the good eye. Choosing good over evil, it was said that he could see nothing of people's sins, only their virtues. He extended his caring to all. The rabbi of Berdachev's inspiration was a passage from the Talmud calling people to sakut. Sakut is a verb, and it means to focus on each person's highest, holiest potential. It's a reminder that compassion is not just a gift, but a path. The good eye is a shift of perception, a transformative art that takes some practice. German writer and statesman Johann Goethe wrote, if we treat people as they ought to be, we help them become what they are capable of becoming. In other words, we are called to treat people as we see them with the good eye, which sees not with sight, but with insight. It's located in the heart. Author Mark Ian Barash was at a conference when he noticed a man striding toward him, his face alight. He says, he seemed really happy to see me, but I didn't have a clue who he was. And when he got closer, he pushed his glasses up onto the bridge of his nose, peered at my face, looked down at my name tag, and took a step back. I'm so sorry, he said, embarrassed. You look just like a friend I haven't seen for years. You even have the same first name. And he trailed off. The effusive warmth seeped away. I told him it was fine. His good eye had enveloped me in a gaze of anticipatory delight that made me feel golden. We wound up having lunch. The two men 
have become friends, and they stayed in touch. Maybe, writes Marky and Barash, maybe we should all take off our glasses and hope for more cases of mistaken identity. For that matter, it might be unmistaken. Why not welcome everyone as some long-lost friend? This is the welcome of the good eye. A man told this wonderful story. As a young woman, his mother had just arrived by train at her destination and struck up a conversation with a woman making a stop over there in the midst of a long journey. And without a second thought, his mother had handed the woman the last sandwich in her bag. It was the beginning of a 20-year friendship. After she died, her son found the packet of the two women's correspondence. And one thing had particularly struck him. He said, so many of the letters from this woman to my mother ended with the same words. I'll never forget that you fed me. This is to see stranger as friend to see another not as other, but as ourself, to see with the good eye. Friend of a friend is a pediatric oncology nurse, meaning he's a saint, but he has to administer uh, chemotherapy infusions to kids, meaning there are needles involved. And here's what his friend, our mutual friend, wrote about him. He is probably the greatest pain giver the children meet in their stay in the hospital because he has worked so much with his own pain. His heart is very open. He works with his responsibilities in the hospital as a laying on of hands with love and acceptance. There is little in him that causes him to withdraw that reinforces the painfulness of the experience for the children. He is a warm, open space that encourages them to trust whatever they feel. And it is he for whom the children most often ask at the time that they are dying. Although he is the main pain giver, he is also the main love giver. The children see with the good eye, eye to eye, heart to heart. When I became a mother beyond the prayer for their good health, I had exactly one wish for my children. I wanted them to be kind. One day I was walking through Harvard Square with our youngest, Jessie, and one of her friends. They were first or second graders, and in front of Nini's corner, we bumped into Jesse's classmate, Johnny, and after this great, raucous greeting, we continued in opposite directions. What's wrong with him? Jesse's friend asked. Nothing's wrong with him. Why? Johnny, her friend persisted, why does he use that wheelchair? Oh, said Jesse, nothing's wrong with him. That's how he walks. Oh, said her friend, and that was that. Kindness, 
good eye, unobstructed. If I could have frozen the two of them in that moment, I would have done it. They already knew everything they needed to know. If we can't see who people really are, it's just our ordinary eyes playing tricks on us. Focusing on deceptive differences and imagined defects, blind to our deeper connection. Marky and Barash writes, if we mistake each other for strangers instead of the not yet befriended, it's just blurry vision. The good eye is the corrective to Einstein's optical delusion of consciousness. The side view mirror cautions objects may be closer than they appear. We are closer, much closer than we remember. The 16th century Tibetan Buddhist meditation master, Wang Chuk Dorje, taught a practice he called the activity of being in crowds. Walking through a throng, he said, is a good opportunity to check your progress and examine the delusions, attachments, and aversions that arise. Marky and Barash continues, I find the bustle of a mall an especially good place to check my good eye for jaundice with everything winking merrily, beckoning with come-ons for instant gratification, and mirrors, mirrors everywhere, I go into a mall trance. The mind itself gets into the spirit of things, hawking its tawdrier wares. My finicky responses to the goods on display merge with my reactions to the people I pass. Petty judgments on how people walk, talk, dress, and chew gum. If we find ourselves mesmerized like this, we need to stop in the name of love. Stop being demeaned and diminished by the short-sightedness that sees only separateness, that serves only a false god of dividedness. We are slowly emerging from the millennia of so-called holy know-it-alls, thumping their infallible books, passing judgment with their so-called divine laws, and trying to enforce competing copyrights on ultimate truth. The question of whether a deity once responsible for global flooding and serial smiting is keeping tabs on our celestial credit reporting agency is moot. The god of our times is no longer some big eye in the sky, but the good eye itself. Beloved spiritual companions, Unitarian Universalism is on the cresting edge of the wave of religious traditions instructing us to shift our gaze from sight to insight, calling us to make the long journey from head to heart. We are building this road as we walk on it. The little prince said, it is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. May the evil eye be vanquished. May we choose a path of zikut, looking for each person's highest, holiest potential, not with sight, but with insight. Let us see with the heart.
see with the good eye? Why not welcome everyone as some long-lost friend? This is how we walk. Amen.